everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Time for Spawn Daily. We're up to issue number 39. It is a Christmas issue, actually. So I guess we're about a month late on the timing, uh, but it did come out in 1995 in December. So about a week before Christmas, I think on the 18th. So very much suited for uh, the time of year that it hit stands. Now, that being said, it's going to be a short episode because not much happens in this issue. Um, I mean, I don't think Spawn even has any dialogue. So I certainly don't begrudge McFarlane and Capullo for doing a Christmas issue and for celebrating. I mean, it's a fantastic cover there uh, with Spawn in the the Santa hat. Uh, It's an iconic image. And the only thing about it is, you know, I just wonder about the timing. Two issues ago, Alan Moore wrote the issue. We got introduced uh, to the freak. And last issue, we got uh, Cygor, cybernetic gorilla. Neither one of those were sort of structured the the way that McFarlane had been structuring the the most recent issues, where we were getting, you know, a little bit of Sam and Twitch, a little bit of Wanda and Terry, sometimes Grandma Blake. We'd get some Jason Wynn. We'd get some uh, Violator or the Clown. So we were touching base on all all the threads that were going on. And then all of a sudden, two issues ago, and again, I get it. It's because Mc, uh, McFarlane had Alan Moore writing it, and you're certainly not going to tell Alan Moore how to, how to write a script. And, you know, it, w- it was very much focused on the freak, and we got that flowery language, and it, it, uh, it was a great way to establish uh, a characterization of, of the freak. And that's just what the issue focused on. And there wasn't a lot of check-in on anything else. And then last issue, you know, with this, again, it really felt like a departure. Great Tony Daniel pencils, but, you know, focused on this haunted castle or haunted mansion with the cybernetic gorilla. And, you know, we did get a little bit of Cogliostro and Spawn, but we didn't really check in on anyone else. You know, we got a scene of Al Simmons and Grandma Blake at the end, but we didn't really check in on everybody. And I, I mentioned that, you know, it's, it's easy for me. I'm, I'm reading them, you know, once a day or whatever. So if I go three or four days without touching base on a, on a storyline or a plot line, it's no big deal, but it's going to be like four months for, you know, the readers who were reading spawn at the time. And I know you have those little recap paragraphs in the front now, but I still, I don't know. The story structure just feels a little wonky to me. Um, the pendulum's kind of swung, you know, the other way. Or early on, we were almost complaining, saying, "God, he's he's reminding us what's going on overly much." Like every single issue, there's a big exposition dump, and now we're not we're not getting those exposition dumps. And you know, I've been complimenting McFarlane on his writing and and maturing as a writer and moving past that. We do have the recap paragraphs in the front. Um, but now he's not referencing at all. He's not even giving us any of those storylines. So it, it sort of feels like we're treading water a little bit because those those storylines aren't getting any progress. So again, it's a minor nitpick. Uh, I did very much enjoy this issue. It is a lot of fun. It is very much Christmas. So let me go ahead and, uh, and share my screen. You'll get a chance to see that cover uh, by McFarlane and Capullo a lot better. And as we turn the page, you'll notice that McFarland's on the story. Capullo's back on pencils. You know, Tony Daniel did them last 
uh, last month, uh, last issue. So Capullo on the pencils, McFarlane on inks, Tom Marzakowski on letters, Steve Olaf returns for the colors with Quinn Suppley and Oli Optics. And we do get a little bit of a recap there, but you notice um, the recap just talks about that conversation with Cogliostro and Spawn that we had last issue. It doesn't mention anything about Cygor, the cybernetic gorilla who had one of his own um, McFarlane toys. So I think he becomes more important. I think he does show up again, uh, but we'll have to read uh, to find out. But yeah, the, the recap kind of small there and it's strange that it doesn't mention anything about Cygor. But again, kind of going to my point of last issue just felt sort of weird and out of place um, in a lot of ways. But uh, anyway, as we uh, take a look at that first page there, we see it's a single mother and her two children uh, a girl and a little boy they're having dinner it's christmas eve they live in harlem the little boy wants to count the presents under the tree again after eating another little snowball and you can see the kind of the petulant look on the little girl's face and uh, through a conversation with her mother we find out her mom's going out to work on christmas eve to work her second job she's a very dedicated mother Throughout the story, we learn about how hard she works because she's trying to give her kids a better life than she had. But, you know, it's a teenage girl. You know, she's probably like 12, 13 years old. And the last thing she wants to be doing on Christmas Eve is be stuck at home watching her five-year-old little brother. So you can sort of sympathize with her. But, you know, at the same time, uh, it's tough. It's tough, you know, she's she's given up part of her childhood and, and having to take on some familiar responsibilities, maybe a little too soon. I mean, got to give kids a chance to be kids, but that doesn't mean I condone <laughs> what she does. And you'll see in a second. Uh, but we do see her mom. She has to walk in the snow. She shows up at this fancy house and the woman at the house is not nice. Again, no subtlety from McFarland here. She berates her for being late, even though uh, this woman, her name's Phyllis, shows up covered in snow. And the woman's saying, uh, you know, I don't care that you're late. Don't be late again. There, there's hundreds of people who would beg for a job like this. You should show me more respect. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, you're, she's cleaning your toilets. Like, she's your maid. I don't know too many people are begging to clean your toilets. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't sit quite right. But uh, the mom is is dedicated, for sure, as I said, to giving her her kids a better life. So meanwhile, back at their apartment, the little, the girl's talking on the phone and hearing about this party and how a boy asked about her and she makes a decision. She's going to go out anyway. And we learn through the thoughts of her brother that this isn't uh, this isn't a, f a first time occurrence. Um, she's gone out before when she's supposed to be there watching her brother. So Nadine, tells her little brother, hey, I'm going to, it's a special night. I'm going to put on Rudolph, which apparently is like his favorite Christmas cartoon. You can watch it as many times as you want. Just, you know, stay, st stay on the couch and I'll be back in a little bit. And she leaves. So again, not the best choice, but, you know, give her, give her a pass. It's Christmas Eve. A boy's asking about her. She's, you know, she's not a parent. She's not responsible. She's a kid. So um, her little brother, Greggy is a, uh, is watching this um, Rudolph, this, this cartoon. And, and I should also point out, um, so drawn by Greg Capullo, Harlem, New York, this little boy's name is Greggy. His mom is named Phyllis. Greg's mom is named Phyllis. So there might be some autobiographical stuff going on here. I'm not sure how, how much, uh, 
of Greg's life is or childhood was like this, but I just it's something that I thought I would mention because I realized it when I was reading it the first time. So it's kind of interesting. And you know, for for living in Harlem and you know, not the best neighborhood, I mean, it does look like they have a an apartment that's at least clean, you know, even if it's a little run down, it really feels like the mom is dedicated and uh you know, obviously working two jobs on Christmas Eve and, you know, they have a tree and there's presents. And so anyway, little boys watch a cartoon and you can tell just by the, you know, the look on his face that Capullo gives us how much it means to him and how excited he is about it. So he ends up falling asleep and he dreams and, and he, he dreams of Christmas, of course, because he's a little five-year-old and he dreams of hundreds of presents under the tree and a, a big shiny red box for his mom that Santa leaves for his mother and everybody is there and he's awakened from this dream by the sound of some footsteps on the roof, a lot of footsteps. And so with that five-year-old imagination that only five-year-olds have, he thinks it's gotta be Santa, right? Lots of footsteps and the little helpers. Uh, yeah. Santa Claus is here, but who it actually is, is apparently some thieves uh, who are, robbers bank robbers i guess i mean they've got those classic sacks with the dollar sign on it you know so uh kind of taking a blast from the past there uh greg pulo but I, I you know i didn't mind it um but rather than santa it's spawn but of course all this little boy knows is he's got to get to bed right he's got to get to bed he can't be awake uh when santa comes because then he won't leave any presents for you so he runs and he gets the snowballs you know, that they made for Santa to, to put out and he runs to put them in place. Meanwhile, he's hearing the, the, the chains, spawns chains from the costume. And to him, it sounds like jingle bells. And uh, he puts them out and he thinks, I've got to, I've got to go and, and, uh, and get into bed. So Santa won't skip us. And he actually even sees at one point, um, one of the, the uh, criminals who apparently has a Santa hat on, he sees him outside. Oh, Santa's helper. I better, I better pretend like I'm asleep. So he jumps in bed and uh, that helper that he, he saw, it falls off the roof and gets snagged up by one of the chains and his bag opens. And there's a, 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 a like a brick of cash, you know, a wad of cash uh, all bundled up that drops on the little boy's um, fire escape. Meanwhile, Spawn's taking out all these guys and, this little boy's hearing it. And he's thinking, oh, still, it must be the reindeers moving around. And then he realizes, oh, I forgot the milk. I forgot to put the milk out. And so he runs to put the milk out. And as he does that, he he looks out the window and the spawn has has captured all these, these bank robbers. And they're all wound up with the chains and the, uh, some kind of metal. It looks like maybe it's the uh, like the TV antennas that were on the roof of, of this uh, apartment building. And the little boy looks out and the silhouette that he sees with these guys all sort of tied up with the chains and the uh, TV antennas and the, the cape of spawn. And they're all backlit by the full moon. The silhouette looks like a sleigh being pulled by reindeer. So, you know, again, he, the little boy thinks it's Santa. He's looking out the window. He expects to see Santa. This silhouette looks close enough. So, He's convinced it's Santa. So again, he's counted the presents under the tree hundreds of times. He knows exactly where every present is and who, whose present goes to what. And so he goes and looks and everything's the same right now, all credit to his mom. 
I'm sure she's got a couple presents stashed away that are supposed to be from Santa. And, you know, she was going to come home from her job and Nadine and, and Greggy would have been asleep and she could have put them out under the tree and everything's fine. But that's not the case because this little boy thinks Santa came and Santa skipped them. And he's, he's welling up. He's sad. Like, where's the present for his mom? That's what he's, he's most concerned about. And he says, well, maybe I can still catch him. And he goes and he throws open the window and he yells out, Santa, Rudolph, come back. Don't go. You forgot my mommy's present. Again, he's not worried about himself. He's worried about his mother. Um, you forgot my mommy's present. He doesn't ask about his present. You forgot my mommy's present. So it's a good, it's a good lesson. And then he looks down on the fire escape and he sees this bundle of cash and he says, you did it. You didn't. He's so excited. You know, even at five years old, you know, you know, cash is cash and it's a big stack. Um, and so he immediately grabs it. He picks it up. He sticks it in a box. He wraps it. He puts it under the tree and he's just, he's got just, just huge grin on his face. He knows his mom is going to be so happy. His sister's not going to believe that he got to see Santa and he got to see Rudolph and he's just really excited. It's so cool. So you can imagine the next day when they open the presents and Nadine, the sister and his mom, Phyllis are just shocked. Right. And there's, uh, there's Greg just, you know, beaming. Um, and, and Phyllis does, she doesn't know what to do. Um, and, like, what do I do? Should I give the money back? Where did it come from? And, you know, Greg's like, oh, Santa brought it. And, you know, he left it on the, the fire escape. And on some level, Phyllis knows it's probably stolen money. She probably should return it. She, she has a little bit of a crisis of conscience, but ultimately she, she decides, you know what, I'm going to keep it and I'm going to do something really special with the money. And so a couple of days after Christmas, she throws a big party for all the, uh, the people that live in the building a lot of the families are even poorer than than she is, and she makes sure that all the kids have presents, and everybody has a good time. Um, you know, all the children get toys, and everybody has a nice dinner. And we see uh, a scene there in the in the kitchen where Phyllis is saying how proud she is of her her son, and she's reminding him that you you have to remember that all the joy in the room is uh, is because of your good heart and. You have to remember what's important in life, which is family and friends, and you, you never want to forget the ones that you that you care about. Um, you always have to find time to be with them because you never know when it might be uh, it might be taken away from you. And as she's saying that, we on the last page we see Spawn, and he's uh, he's looking at a picture of Terry Fitzgerald and Wanda and Baby Cyan. And he's covering up Terry's face with his thumb. Could interpret this a couple of ways, or or maybe maybe you interpret it both ways. Maybe he's covering it up because he he his last interaction with Terry Terry in Spawn's mind saved Jason Wynn's life, and Spawn felt betrayed. So there's probably some animosity. There's some anger there. The other thing is that he this is when he Spawn looks at this picture, when Al Simmons looks at this picture, he's probably picturing what he thought his own life would be. You know, it should be him in his mind. It should be him in that picture, not Terry Fitzgerald. So even without the betrayal, there's probably still some feelings of resentment, some angst, you know, like I'm sure in a way he's happy that Wanda is happy, you know, and safe and protected uh, or safe and 
as safe and protected as she can be. Um, and obviously she's got the child that, Tara, uh, that uh, Al Simmons was unable to give to her. So, you know, there's a level of happiness there, but at the same time, you can't blame Spawn for being downcast. Uh, so it's a little bit of McFarland twisting the knife there. Uh, and I do want to go back and point out something on the previous double page spread, uh, which is really a fantastic festive page. Um, as we see the, the ornaments here, one of them has Terry Fitzgerald and Wanda and Cyan. Another has Sam and Twitch. And then the third has a couple of Spawn's friends uh, from the alleys. So yeah, really great issue, really great art, big panels, fast story, fast paced, um, as I said, Spawn doesn't even utter a, a word in it, and it's perfectly fine. It, it works really well as a, as a Christmas story. That little nitpick that I was saying before, obviously, we don't get any movement, any forward momentum on any of the stories that are going on. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, why not, why not celebrate Christmas and, and have a, a fantastic cover and a Christmas-centric episode, especially uh, dedicated, as you see on the inside the front cover, dedicated to Phyllis Capullo, uh, Greg's mom, and then obviously named after uh, the character is probably named after her. And as I said, maybe some of Greg's own, you know, experiences growing up in in uh, New York. Maybe this might be a little bit autobiographical for him uh, in terms of the artwork. Um, you know, as I, I mentioned, the the more time that goes on with McFarland working with uh, Capullo as the inker, the more exaggerated the uh, the anatomy gets. You know, Greg had pretty standard anatomy before, um, but uh, it still works. I don't mind it, uh, but it does look a lot more like McFarland's art than uh, Capullo's art looked like before. Uh, you can especially see kind of the influence here when Greg's uh, little Greggy's holding the money. Um, how almost all of his face is in shadow and you just see the eyes and the teeth. That's something McFarland does a lot, right? Where you know, he'll see somebody's face and the face will be in all shadow. And all you're getting is, uh, is the eyes and the teeth a lot of times. So again, it, it works really well. It's very emotional. It's a very festive and bright and fun issue. Um, and it's interesting to see uh, Capullo's um, art evolve a little bit um, throughout the, the run. So uh, I guess we'll see next issue, issue 40, if uh, we get a return to sort of the standard story structure, because yeah, it's been, it's been quite a few issues since we've had that. I guess it would be back at issue 37 that really felt like kind of a normal issue. You know, then we had the, the Alan Moore issue. Last time we had the Haunted Mansion issue, and now we have the Christmas issue. So been a little bit. Um, so we'll have to see how it uh, plays out next time, but uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Appreciate you guys joining me as always. I hope Rocky's back soon. Um, he's trying to get caught up on uh, everything that he missed while his daughter was in the hospital. So uh, hopefully, as I said, he'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hope you guys are enjoying these uh, daily spawn episodes. Uh, sorry, I'm doing them solo, but it kind of life happens, you know? So uh, as always, we appreciate your support and thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. 
If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.